1: For the next hour and 30 minutes, this program will present in person such bright stars as... Louis uh, Zanzon! Bob Hope. Deborah Carr. Frankie Lane. Gary Lewis. Dean Martin. Charlie McGuire. Jimmy Wallington. Meredith Wilson. And my name, darlings, is Tallulah Bank. <laughs> Broadcasting Company presents The Big Show. America, the, of
2: America, we're going to
1: the Big Show. 90 Minutes with the most scintillating personalities in the entertainment world. Brought to you this Sunday and every Sunday at the same time as the Sunday feature of NBC's All Star Festival. And here is your hostess, the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. Well, darlings, here we are with the big show this week in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, the city of the angels. Now, is it Los Angeles? The city of the
2: Angles.
1: (laughs) Well, to be safe, I'll call it L.A. Lousy with ashes. (laughs) How did a whip get in there? And what a plane trip from New York, darlings. We worried all the way. When we left New York, we were worried about the weather because all we could see was rain. When we got to Chicago, we worried because all we could see was snow. But when we got to a lovely California, we stopped worrying because we couldn't see the weather at all.
2: <laughs>
1: smog, you know. Of course, you know what smog is, don't you? Well, Bob Hope. <laughs> smog? Smog is nature's protection against the glare of Crosby's shirts. <laughs> Smog is the stuff they invented to protect the oranges from the smudge pots, or... Just a moment, <laughs> darling.
2: La Brea Tar
1: Pits, Madman Munch, Mulholland Drive, Wilshire Bus, and Hollywood and Vine. What's all that, darling? <laughs> I just wanted to get all your local jokes out of the way so we couldn't clutter up the rest of the big show.
2: <laughs>
0: wow.
1: Well, you left out Anaheim, Azusa, and Cougamonga.
2: We don't mention them
1: on this network. Oh. <laughs> I see. <laughs> you mean on account of uh J B That's exactly what I mean, darling. Well, what have you got against Joan Blondell? <laughs> I'm not referring to Joan Blondell. It just happens to be a name I'd rather not mention on the show. Uh, now, Bob, what have you been doing lately? J.B., a name you can't mention on this show. Oh, I know. Isn't that stupid I mean, Of course. Jetty Davis. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bull. <laughs> Oh, Jack Bohr, of course. Look, Lou. <laughs> I'll tell you why I came over here. Besides grabbing a little loot, I want you to do a guest shot on my radio show. Oh, darling, do you have a radio show of your own? <laughs> uh, who's the mistress of ceremonies on your show?
2: <laughs>
1: Nobody. Who's the mistress of ceremonies on your show? <laughs> Don't tell me you haven't heard my show back east every Tuesday at 9 o'clock. I never get up that early, darling. No, honey, you're thinking of just plain Bing. I'm on Tuesday night from 9 to 9.30. Oh, only half an hour. <laughs> oh, Bob, I'm terribly sorry, darling. What do you do with the other hour? we we'll wait for the last to come in. <laughs> Look, let me set you straight in this radio racket. All comedy shows are a half hour. I beg your pardon. My show's an hour and a half. I beg your pardon. It only seems that long. <laughs> How about it, Tolu? Will you come out with me next Tuesday night? We rehearse the script Monday morning, and we rehearse with the orchestra Monday night, and we have a complete dress rehearsal Tuesday afternoon. We go on the air with the show Tuesday night. Oh, that fits in perfectly with my plans. I'll be there at rehearsals Monday morning and with the orchestra Monday night, and at the dress rehearsal Tuesday afternoon. I just won't be able to make the show Tuesday night, darling. <laughs> Uh, will, uh, will that be all right, Bob? Oh, that sounds reasonable. Of course, if you can't be on the show, I'll only pay you half the salary. Oh, I don't think that's fair. After all, I am coming to three rehearsals, and just because I miss one show, which only takes a half an hour... Skip it, kid, skip it. <laughs> For the money I'm paying you, I can get Jenny Bevers not to come on the show. <laughs> but, darling, it's not my fault... You would have to pick a Tuesday this week. I think Monday and Wednesday. How did you happen to pick Tuesday? Right in the middle. Oh, just lucky, I guess. Look, uh...
2: <laughs>
1: Look, Alabama, let's level here. <laughs> Are you coming on the show Tuesday or not? But, Bob, if I'm going on your show, what do you want me to do on it? Well, you'll do what all my guests do. But I never had four sons.
2: <laughs>
1: well, what can you do? <laughs> Supposed I... to tie in, <laughs> you yeah. I, I promised you I, him I wouldn't read it that way. I didn't do it, honest. Control yourself. Well, what can you do? I sing. <laughs> it's just as funny the second time. <laughs> let's go, let's go, Chulu. They're giving us a finger. Go I ahead. What? Uh...
2: <laughs> I mean the
1: wind up, you know, the thing. But of course I'll have to bring my own the company. What did you say? I said of course I'll have to. I say, haven't got I that. Accompany. Where is that? <laughs> oh, okay, who is he? Well, he just happens to be Meredith Wilson and his forty-seven piece orchestra and chorus. I can't sing unless they accompany me. Oh, you have a special orchestra to play flat? <laughs> they do not. Now you listen to Meredith Wilson and his big show orchestra and chorus in and a brilliant rhythmic arrangement of Orange Colored Sky. i
2: This is it. This is it. I was walking along, minding my business, when love came and hit
1: me in the eye. This week I didn't have a single care My heart was freer than the air And then a flash! accompaniment I want to use when I sing on your program. You see, Meredith keeps me on key. Baby, your voice should be kept under lock and key. <laughs> well, what's the matter, Miss Bankhead? Didn't you like my number? What's your problem, Meredith Wilson? I only said, uh, didn't you like my orchestra number, Miss Bankhead? Of course, darling. Now look here, Bob. If you're implying that my voice is bad... Now wait a minute. I'm no music critic. Don't start sending me any letters. <laughs> Personally, I'd rather write than be president. Well, uh, Miss Bankett... <laughs> Wait, this is creeping yes. up. Wait a minute. <laughs> no. I want to say to Miss Bankett, uh, when I finished my number, um, uh, you usually say that was delightful, Meredith, or charming. That was delightful, Meredith, or charming. Bob, uh, if you want me on your show, I'm going to sing. And the song will be Give My Regards to Broadway Remember me to Harrow Square Tell all the gang on 42nd Street That I will soon be there Hey, Rivet Voice, you're tearing up 42nd (laughs) Street. I could have played Give My Regards to Broadway if you'd asked me to, Miss Bankhead. I have it in all the keys you sing it in. (laughs) That's A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. When she just sang it, it sounded more like H. Don't pay any attention to
2: him, (laughs) Mary.
1: Don't pay any attention to him, darling. How can I? I haven't even met him. Oh! I beg your pardon, Mary, darling. This is Bob Hope. Bob, this is Mary Wilson, darling. Glad to know you, darling. (laughs) Gee, Mr. Hope... Mr. Hope, this is really a happy moment. For whom? (laughs) I've always been one of your greatest admirers, Mr. Hope. I used to see all your pictures back in Mason City. I was born there, you know. That's my hometown, Mason City, Iowa. Meredith, you are not going to tell one of those repugnant stories about that. That obscure little hamlet of yours, are you? Oh, glad you asked me. Well, sir, Miss Bankhead... I used to see every... <laughs> I used to see every one of Mr. Holt's pictures back in Mason City, Iowa. Well, I remember going to the movie one night, and I had to take standing room. I know, boy. My pictures sell out all over. No, it wasn't that. I had a sacroiliac. <laughs> had to stand up. Doc Frisbee, he's the druggist there. And, uh... You think he can help that? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I went there to the druggist, but he's closed up, so I went to the bicycle shop, and they taped me up with that black tape they put on bicycle handles. Well, they tape up seats with that stuff, too. Yeah, that's what they did. (laughs) Well, sir, I stood up all through that picture, laughing and scratching. Look, Itchy. How much more is there to this nauseating little (laughs) bear? Well, that's about all there is, except that when they took that tape off, Wow. I've still got the scars. Would you like to see Mr. Hope? No, no. I'll wait till they come to my neighborhood movie. <laughs> Meredith, if you're quite finished with that black... Hey, coat. look at the size of that orchestra. Hi, fellas.
2: Hey, hey, it's, it's still here.
1: Go right on, fellas. Don't let me stop the show. I'm just cutting across to my studio. Hey, what a musical aggravation. Every musician I ever fired is in that orchestra. Look at that violin section. Who's got the rosin concession there? (laughs) Mr. Harris, I don't know how you managed to stagger into this studio. But if you don't crawl out before I count to one, which I understand is as high as you can count... I will have you forcibly ejected. Ejected? Well, push, pull, and click, click. (laughs)
2: Hey,
1: Bob. Hey, Robert, what are you doing on this program? Mostly straight lines. (laughs) Hey, Bob. Hmm? Hey, Robert. uh, Uh... Who's the base tomato? This tomato's going to be a surprise. It's uh, Tallulah Bankhead. That's Tallulah Bankhead? Yeah, that's what you like about the South. Well, corn my pone if it ain't a wantsman. And what carpet bag did you creep out of, Mr. Harris? Baby, don't fight me. I'm filthy. I don't care what state your clothes are in.
2: <laughs>
1: that thing you're wearing could stand to retread, too, girl. Well, the war between two states. You notice how cleverly they set this thing up so that every time I'm about to sit down, I have a line to seem speak? I have one to yes, I do <laughs> Luckily, luckily, my bicycle seat is taped, and I can't sit down anyway. Hey, Meredith, I didn't see you. Hi, Phil. Well, old Meredith, you still playing that long hair stuff? Yep. You still playing that curly hair stuff? <laughs> Sharp as a marvel. <laughs> By the way, Meredith, we were talking about you at the Musicians Union the other night, and some of the boys think that you're kind of uh, a sentry. They heard through the Hollywood and grapevine that you read music. Now, I'm a committee of one to find out. Are you now or have you ever been a reader of music? Well, yeah, I read music. Don't you? Oh, once in a while, when I'm sitting under the dryer, I... (laughs) But it's the same old story, Meredith. Do la so fa mi re, no action. That kind of stuff went out with the three Bs. Bach, Beethoven, and Benny. How dare you, Mr. Harris? What do you got against Benny Goodman? He's the king. I might even say he's the thing. He's the what? Hey, don't tell me you ain't heard of the thing. Hey, local, this girl don't know about the thing. They know what it is. Well, I got to go, kids. Hey, Robert. How about you and the missus and me and Alice uh, stepping out tonight after the show? Oh, sure, Phil. By the way, how is Alice? Just left her a couple of minutes ago. She was in the pink. Well, have her slip in and some clothes and we'll go out. <laughs> oh, Robert G., I wish I'd have said that. I could use that on my show today. <laughs> you will. Well... I... what was that thing? It's not that thing, it's the thing. It's a piece of music that can only be written by a guy who can't read music. Meredith, have you heard of this thing, The Thing? Oh, sure. It's one of those tunes that don't make any sense. You have to have them every once in a while. Like, I remember back in Mason City, Iowa. Oh, dear. <laughs> Meredith, we're not going on tour through that one night stand again. Well, I was just talking about things like The Thing. Like we used to have. You remember Yes, We Have No Bananas? And that was before my time, do
2: <laughs> Your time
1: was before bananas.
2: <laughs>
1: I know everybody used to sing that song. I knew it so well that uh, I could sing it backwards. And that should be very interesting. Oh, it is. It goes, Today bananas, no have we. Bananas, no have we. yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing Oh no, the thing came
1: later First we had this yes. We had no bananas We had no bananas today We spring beans and onions For branches and shallots And
2: all kinds
1: is really the thing called Three Little Fishes.
2: Abroad, abroad, on the road and the of to and on the river, and the of
1: The thing. Oh, we got that too. Here, uh, be my guest, Miss Bankhead. Here's a copy of the music. Just read that lyric. While I was walking down the beach one bright and sunny day, I saw a great big wooden box floating in the bay. I pulled it in and opened it up, and much to my surprise, it's coming off right before my eyes. Oh, I discovered it.
2: Right before my eyes. I turned around and got right out the and for my life. And then I took it home with
1: me to give it to my wife. But this is what she honored me, and I walk in the door. Oh, get out of here with us! And don't come back no more! Oh, get out of here with us, and
2: don't come back no more. The moral of the story is that you're out on the beach. And you should be a great big box and live within your reach. Don't ever stop to open it up, that's my advice to you. Cause you'll never get rid of them. No matter what you do, Woo! you'll never get rid of them. No matter
1: Does that answer your question, Miss Bankhead? Uh, well, darling, I can't say very much for the melody, but I must admit the lyric was quite dull. You know what I like, Meredith? That hot horn in your band. He plays a lot of trumpet. Why, that's Louis Armstrong. <laughs> Louis, uh, Louis. Louis. Hello, Louis. Louis, Louis, darling, what are you uh, doing in the office? Come over here. Hello, Tallulah. Louis, how are you? Oh, I want you to meet Bob Hope. Oh, I know this cat, man. He's gone. <laughs> said it, Lewis. I've been gone for about eight pages now. <laughs> Tell me, L.A., you playing that trumpet around L.A.? No, B.H., I've been up in Las... <laughs> Vegas. Oh, Las Vegas, huh? Yeah, man. Well, how'd you make up there at L.V., L.A.? Okay. Where'd you up there, B.H.? Uh, how'd you make out? P.U. <laughs> What happened, B.H.? Ah, the roulette wheel. I went for a G. You see L.A.? Oh, yeah. Are you gentlemen making your initial appearance on radio? (laughs) Louis, I was hoping you'd mention that article I wrote about you for Flair magazine. Did you see it? Oh, I did, too, I thought it was very... I went over that word a hundred times. (laughs) I told you it was erudite. Yeah, oh, I think that's the word. Thanks, Lewis. Sweet of you to say that, Bob.
2: <laughs> Did you
1: read the article I wrote on Louis Armstrong? Yes, and I thought it was Er, uh, Air, uh <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's the word, uh...
1: <laughs> You're just joking, I know. Oh, Louis, you are my favorite musician. Thank you, Jalula. And Bob, you're my favorite comedian. Thanks, Jalula. Well... <laughs> Hasn't one of you gallant gentlemen anything to add? Oh sure, may I return the compliment to Lou and say that Lewis is my favorite musician. (laughs) Thanks, Bob, and you're my favorite comedian. Boys, uh, shall we go around once more? (laughs) Oh sure, to Lou, I'm your favorite comedian. (laughs) And I'm your favorite musician. This is fun. Let's play it again.
2: <laughs>
1: this time for money. If anybody's going to play anything, Louis is going to play his fabulous puppet. How about it, Louis? That's, That's what me. I came here for. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a real treat Louis Armstrong with Mary Wilson's orchestra and Phil Moore's brilliant arrangement of a song I know you all want to hear Ain't Misbehaving. with all by myself. No one to walk with. i am not on the only show. There's the haven to save my life. Oh, baby, did it by Now for certain, the one alone love through returning a big I'm beginning is oh baby, What does the baby do like Jack Horner in the corner. Don't go to notice. And I don't care.
2: All your kids weren't really for me. Leave me. I don't stay out late. Don't get a go, All my body ain't me in the resume. ever insane.
1: Great as ever, Satchmo. no, Louis. You know what my ambition is. I want somebody to make a recording with you, someday. What's oh. wrong, oh, all right. Press on, darling. <laughs> well, uh, I what... want someday to make a recording with you, Louis. Well, whatever you got against me, too, Louis. <laughs> now, just a minute, Armstrong. I sing, you know. Oh yeah, I heard about you singing. Oh, you heard about it really well. Mm-hmm. I was standing on Broadway, and a man came up and gave me your
2: regards.
1: (laughs) Must have been one of those Herald squares. Look to Lou. If you want to come on my program and sing, this might be a good time to show what you can do. Louis, how about it? Should you improvise a little something for Tousle Top? Anything you like. like. Okay, baby, let's hear something. If you're going to audition, let's do it now. I don't want you to louse up my show. (laughs) Me? audition? Me, Cleveland Indian. Good guys, darling. I'm not prepared. Oh, you didn't bring your voice with you, huh? So much the better. Come on, I'll help you out. Oh, no, Bob. No, no, no. Oh, come on. Let's make her sing. How about it, folks? (laughs) Well, if nobody wants to listen to her, I... Now... Just a censored, censored minute, Hope. If they want to hear me sing, I'll sing, and we'll leave it to the audience whether I sing on your show or not. Okay, anyone else? Last chance, sedatives, sleeping pills, revolvers.
0: <laughs>
1: yes, ma'am, we have earplugs. No, madam, only two to a customer. What do you mean you need three? <laughs> Louis, you'll need a couple of those earplugs. I'll <laughs> need a couple of those earplugs on me too, Daddy. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to listen to this by myself. Give me a couple too. Okay, Lewis, let's hear it. I'll start you <laughs> off, Salou. This is a lot of fun, darling, but I have to ring my chimes. This is NBC, up the, the National Broadcasting Company. Melon car, but we're off the air. Yes, well, let's go. This is the National Broadcasting Company's Sunday extravaganza with the most scintillating personalities in show business. The Big Show, the Sunday night feature of NBC's All-Star Festival, is brought to you by your local Ford dealer, who is now displaying the new 1951 Ford, the car that's built for the years ahead, by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television by Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste, the cigarette that brings you Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, and by the makers of Anderson for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. The big stars on this program are Louis Armstrong, Bob Hope, Deborah Carr, Frankie Lane, Jerry Lewis, Dean Martin, Dorothy McGuire, Meredith Wilson, and his big show orchestra and chorus, and every week, your hostess, the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Baghead. This is Tallulah, broadcasting from Hollywood, Bankhead. (laughs) Telling you that if you don't listen to the big show, you're a big (laughs) snow. Or if you're in a stew and you don't know what to do, listen to (laughs) Tallulah. And you'll never be blue. (laughs) So new. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Tallulah Bankhead, girl, Burl. Bob
2: hope
1: Thank you, Tulu. I'm happy to be here with you on your second Hollywood version of the big show. Oh, it's nice having you, darling. Nice to catch you on the ground for a change. Yes. I have been traveling a lot lately, but I've got to stop it. I have so many labels on my trunks the laundry won't take them anymore. <laughs> I know the sacrifice you're making, giving up the Los Angeles Rams-Chicago Bears championship game at the Coliseum. you're not kidding, but that's all right. I've got to keep working. After all, I'm a comedian. I have a government to support. (laughs) (laughs) But, But it's nice being here with you, Tulu, during the Yuletide season. Of course, whenever I think of Christmas, I think of my old folks back home. Take it, Iowa. You
2: know...
1: Christmas season brings out the sentiment in the body. Yes, sir. I'm the kind of guy who does a lot of traveling, but I'm like anybody else. No matter where you go, you never get very far away from that old hometown. And I was reared in Cleveland. I can remember way back to the time I was a baby. I was born in a poor family. My mother couldn't even afford talcum powder. (laughs) She used to turn my little body over and sprinkle it with Dutch (laughs) cleansing. I was 10 months old. I didn't know whether I was a boy or a kitchen sink.
2: <laughs>
1: That's why at Christmas time, I like to go back to Cleveland to see my folks. And they're always happy to see me. Of course, they're just as happy getting it by mail. But I always feel <laughs> I always feel sentimental about my hometown. With all the friendly faces, the familiar buildings, Main Street, Elm Street lying parallel to it. And my Uncle Louis lying parallel to both. People said he was a drunkard, but he wasn't. He only drank a little bit to steady himself. Sometimes he got so steady he couldn't move. My family were very poor. We lived in a little shack, just two rooms and a path. But even though... It, huh? But even
2: though...
1: <laughs> But even though we were poverty-stricken, I was even sophisticated as a baby. I was so high-class, I wouldn't suck my thumb until they put it in a cigarette holder.
2: <laughs>
1: but my mother was one of those dear hearts and gentle people. She tried to raise us right, even though we were broke. She couldn't buy us underwear, but she did the best she could. She lined us all up and painted buttons on our stomachs. She couldn't even afford to buy me a haircut. My hair was so long till I was 19 years old, I thought I was a St. Bernard. I found out I wasn't just in time. I was going steady with an Airedale. But what, a, what a picture comes to mind when I think of the old hometown. Old Pappy Walker sitting in front of the general store carving a sailboat in a bottle. I wonder if he ever got out of the bottle when the sailboat was finished.
2: <laughs>
1: and then there was Miss Drainafort, my old teacher. I can still see her sitting in the classroom. An old lady just knitting. She was knitting an old man. <laughs> On a vacation, Miss Drainafort used to go to the big city and burn the candle at both ends for weeks after she couldn't put on a hat or sit down (laughs) and when I think of the yuletide season I always think of my parents my father was a great man and a big practical joker too so was my mother they finally played a trick on each other me
2: (laughs) you know I started the first
1: quiz show in Cleveland when I was born my father took one look at me and asked the doctor what is it Doctor answered, "Well, I missed that one. Can I stand by for the jackpot?" (laughs) Father was betting on a boy, and mother was betting on a girl. But doctor won. He had me across the board. (laughs) But we were a proud family, people of the soil. We'd been farmers for generations, and everything we did was connected with the soil. In fact, we were the dirtiest family in the state. (laughs) But it was a happy family. My father worshipped my mother. He got her everything. He wasn't wealthy. He was a shoplifter. (laughs) When he walked out of a department store, the whole left side of the building sagged. (laughs) Like all families, we were hit by the Depression. My father was hurt in the crash at 29. The runway at Minsky's collapsed on his head. (laughs) Before I knew it it was time for me to go to school, I was enrolled in a finishing school for backward children, (laughs) and I did very well. I started in the eighth grade, and in no time at all, I was back in kindergarten. (laughs) It was in the third grade that I first fell in love. I know it sounds kind of silly to be in love with the third grade, but don't forget I was 38 years old, (laughs) and I'll never forget the first time I kissed my little girlfriend. She was wearing braces, and I was wearing braces, and when we kissed, our braces locked. After that, we went everywhere together.
2: <laughs>
1: then came graduation time. With all the kids in their caps and gowns, I caused quite a sensation. My gown was strapless. <laughs> and I,
2: I, did,
1: I did very well in sports at school. I had a typical athlete's physique. Big chest, hard stomach. But that's all behind me now. <laughs> I used to play football when I was in school. It was part of the cure. And all of the fans... (laughs) And all of the fans around Cleveland knew my name. It was painted on my bucket. (laughs) I had a very peculiar nickname. They called me Neckline Hope. I was always plunging down the middle, but never really showed anything. (laughs) My first year, I was disqualified from playing football for a scholastic reason. Stupidity. (laughs) I thought the big nine were my toes.
2: It was right about then that
1: I met her. Yes, her. I never did find out what her name was. She was a vision of loveliness. She had long blonde hair and luscious red lips which she wore in a bun on the top of her head. But the best part about it was that she was tattooed. That made it nice for me because I couldn't afford a television set. We almost broke up. I'd seen the picture before. We were very much in love. She called me Baby, and I called her my little pussycat. I called her Pussycat because I thought she'd take the hint and shave off her whiskers. (laughs) Finally, Finally came the day of our wedding. She was a sentimental girl, so she got married in her grandmother's dress. She looked lovely, but her poor grandmother almost froze to death. It was a lovely ceremony except for the kiss. My nose created a suction, and we had to be separated with a razor blade. (laughs) Yes, we were married. And tomorrow marks our 25th anniversary. It'll be 25 years since we've talked to each other. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen... The new 1951 Ford, the car that progressive planning designed, engineered, and made come true, is at your Ford dealers now. And everything about it tells you that here is a quality car, a fine car that's built for the years ahead. When you examine the 1951 Ford, for example, take a good long look at its luxury lounge interior. You'll find styling, fine coachwork, color-harmonized Ford craft fabrics that are years ahead in beauty. When you drive the new Ford, notice how the automatic ride control literally adjusts the ride to the road and makes the roughest bumps easy on you, easy on the car itself. And there's more, much, much more. In all, there are 43 new look-ahead features, each designed to give you added value for the long years to come. Yes, indeed. When you see the 1951 Ford, When you drive it, you'll agree it's the finest Ford ever produced. And now, darlings, the two young Paramount stars who have taken the country by storm, the only comedy act in show business that can possibly follow Bob Hope, Dean Martin, and Jerry Lewis. (laughs)
3: at the Lulabonkis. We're very happy. <laughs> very happy to be here. You've been on for over a half hour already. Wash up, get your money, and get out of here. Leave your social security number. We'll take over now. Here we are on the big show. You know this. This is the day
1: Hey, Jerry. Hey. Never... Hey, Crazy? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You've got to conduct yourself like a gentleman on the big show. Now, don't last me up here like you do everywhere else. Aren't you happy to be on the big show?
3: Ask me no questions. I'll tell you no lies. I don't like her. You
1: don't like Miss Bankhead? Young man. Think she's going to hit me.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, come on, Jerry. Now, come on. Let's settle down.
3: All righty, Dean. We'll have a call. All righty, Dean. All righty, <laughs> Dean. You just said let's settle down. We'll have a cottage small by a waterfall with roses rambling round the door and the patter of little feet across the floor. Yeah, mice. <laughs> oh, no, Dean, I don't like it here. Come on, let's go back to the marble tournament. I'll treat. I got two aggies.
1: <laughs> no, Jay, yeah, you don't understand. Miss Bankhead was complimenting us by saying we were the only act who could follow Bob Hope.
3: Oh, she compliments. Everyone else she insults. I told you she don't like us. <laughs> Oh, but, Jerry,
1: darling...
3: I did not come here not to be insulted.
1: (laughs) Well, Jerry, if you won't listen to reason, I'm going to call on your partner, Dean Martin, to sing. Well, I'd be glad to, Miss Banker. Ladies and gentlemen, Dean Martin will sing. Dean,
3: she's going to introduce you for all these years. For for, (laughs) all... My tongue got in the way of my eye tooth. I
1: couldn't
3: see what I was saying. (laughs) Yeah. She's going to introduce you? For all these years, we have been partners, and now you are going to let her introduce you. What are you doing to me? Uh, Miss
1: Bankhead, would you mind if Mr. Lewis introduced me awfully?
2: I <laughs> do as
1: I'm
3: sure only he can. All right, Mr. Lewis, we'll introduce the song. What are you going to sing, Dean? Levian Rose. You may introduce him, Jerry. Thank you, Mr. Martin. I want to introduce Levian Rose. Levian Rose is my partner, Mr. Martin. <laughs> but this is a very beautiful Levian Rose arranged and conducted, I should say, conducted by Meredith Wilson. This is arranged by our own wonderful conductor, Mr. Dick Stabile. Dean Martin sings Levian Rose, and this is swell. <laughs>
1: Speaking to Why don't you answer me?
3: You told me not to tell you I never heard of Lula Bankhead. I made a boo-boo. Look,
1: oh, Jerry, you made a double boo-boo. Tallulah Bankhead is a great stage actress. Surely you saw her in private lives.
3: I don't butt into other people's business. <laughs>
1: no, Jerry, it was a stage show. Didn't you see it?
3: I don't remember. What was the picture playing with it?
1: There was no picture playing with it, just a stage show. She's been in a lot of stage shows. She played in Rain.
3: That's how
1: she got so hoarse. Ah, oh, come on now, Jerry. Haven't you heard of Sulula Bankhead and the little foxes?
3: Oh, she's an animal trainer.
1: No, no. Sulula Bankhead and Skin of Our Teeth. Skin
3: of Our Teeth. Oh, come now, Basil. This has gone far enough. Far enough, do you hear? <laughs> do you hear me? Do you hear me? I said, far enough. Do you hear? Gene, are you listening?
1: Yeah, you don't seem to get the idea. Now, I remember taking you to a play one. I even remember you stopped into the lobby and you got yourself a glass of orangeade.
3: Oh yeah, I remember the orangeade and the girl with a flashlight told us we could sit down on the seats and be comfortable while we were drinking the orangeade. And a fella came out and sang something about an enchanted evening. And a girl washed the hair. And a bunch of sales were running after some dames. And a girl was saying happy, talkie talkie, happy talk. <laughs> What'd you have to go through just to drink a lousy glass of orangeade? <laughs> That's the place, Jerry. I went back there, you know. There was such a crowd waiting, I couldn't get in. I guess everybody found out they have the best orangeade in town. <laughs> now you
1: got it, bet. It's a little banquet in the theater.
3: Oh, now I know. She's the one who makes the orangeade. <laughs> From this, she makes a living.
1: Ah, oh, Jerry, stop being so stupid.
3: So how will you make a living? <laughs>
1: No, this is tougher than I thought it was going to be.
3: Please be patient with me, Dean. I've got a terrible headache.
1: Where do you keep it?
3: (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. That's very funny. You see, I said I got a terrible headache, and he says, where do you keep it? He's making out like I haven't got a head.
1: (laughs) Joke over. (laughs) You don't have to explain my joke.
3: So, Dean, what are friends for? All
1: right, come on, let's get back to the theater. I'm not
3: thirsty. (laughs) Well, boys, boys, how's it going? Dean, she's back again. Don't let her hit me.
1: Well, why don't you stop? She won't hurt you. Could I feed her?
3: (laughs) (laughs) She's very friendly. Could I scratch her behind the ear? (laughs) Dean, tell me, is he for real? I often wonder. I want to apologize, Miss Blankhead. I shouldn't have been so fresh. Dean told me all about your sickness. Does it hurt much? Does what
1: hurt much?
3: The skin of your
2: teeth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why, you little half-sized, half-idiot, half half imbecile
3: Dean, she did it. She likes us. We're in. She insulted us.
1: She didn't insult me.
3: Dean, don't worry. She said half. We're partners. you get half of everything I get.
1: <laughs> Say, Bob, Bob Hope... What's all this I hear about giving Crosby for Christmas? Well, Bing's Papa Santa Claus this year, you know, and a Chesterfield Christmas carton. Bob, it's a very nice gift. I've already bought several. But tell me, why aren't you on the Christmas carton, too? Well, I was supposed to be Jimmy, but old Sag has gotten so fleshy there just wasn't room. (laughs) Seriously, folks, Chesterfield Christmas cartons are the best thing you could give or get because Chesterfield is the milder cigarette, and you can prove that yourself. Just make the Chesterfield mildness test Buy Chesterfield. Open them and enjoy that milder, mellow aroma. Now light one up, and you'll know Chesterfield's milder because it smokes milder. Another thing you'll notice, Chesterfield leaves no unpleasant aftertaste. That fact has been confirmed by the country's first and only cigarette taste panel. So for all the smokers on your list, give Crosby for Christmas. Give Christmas carton to Chesterfield. The only cigarette that combines for you mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. (laughs) Yes, Dean, what is it, darling? My partner, Jerry, and I were thinking... (laughs) That's very
3: funny. (laughs)
1: Let's get on with the rest of the show.
3: Wait a minute, Mrs. He didn't tell you yet. (laughs) So what are you laughing for? Dean Martin has something to tell you, and he is my friend. And I would gladly die for him. Would I not, Dean Martin, die for you?
1: Sure he would. Go ahead, Jerry, sure. Drop dead.
3: (laughs) I can't die today. I don't feel so good. (laughs) Darling, stop being
1: morbid. What were you going to say, Dean? I speak. We would like to meet. <laughs> we would like to meet Mr. Bob Hope in person and make a deal with him. Uh, do you think he'll sell us some jokes or maybe trade us some jokes? Well, why don't you talk to Bob about this? Oh, uh, so come on, Bob. Here, the boys want to do some business with you. You know Mr. Martin? Oh, sure. Hi, Tony. And Mr. Lewis.
2: <laughs> and
1: Mr. Lewis. Hi, Joe.
3: Hi, Mort. <laughs> Time out, conference. See, you think he really doesn't know us or is he making a joke? Making
1: a joke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Darling! <laughs>
1: uh, Mr. Hope, I'd like to uh, consummate a little deal with you. Would you sell us some jokes or maybe you'd be interested in trading a few jokes? Oh, I don't get you.
3: Well, I'll give you a for instance. I'll give you a brand new joke I made up today out of a magazine. (laughs) For one of your old jokes.
1: Well, what's the joke?
3: A joke. You say to somebody, I went to see Albert Einstein, and somebody says, how did you find him? And you say, I pushed back his hair, and there he was. (laughs) Now you give me one of your old jokes. No deal. (laughs) Now,
1: wait a minute, Mr. Hope. Don't pass that joke up. You know, there are two other jokes you can make out of it. Now, like, uh, how did you find your steak? Oh, I pushed back the potatoes, and there it was. Or, uh, how did you find the West? I pushed back the Indians, and there it was. If anybody asks me how I found Martin Lewis, I'll say pretty dumb. <laughs> All right, Mr. Hope. I'll make the supreme sacrifice. I got a brand-new Groucho mark, Joe. Really? Brand-new? You bet your life. Okay, I'll trade you even up. <laughs> did somebody fall down? What was that? <laughs> Brand new, I bet you life. That's all Well, anyway, okay. Somebody's wearing a neon nose here. I don't know. <laughs> Say, okay, I'll trade you even up for a brand new Phil Harris. All right, that's a deal. Let's see it. Oh, no, sight unseen. Okay, here you are. I got it written down here. Okay, and here's yours.
3: Wait a minute, fellas. You're playing without me? Who blew up the ball? <laughs> want to trade, too. I got a brand new Fred Allen. I'll trade
1: you for that Phil Harris. <laughs> That's a trade, kid. Here you are. And here are you. <laughs> now, let me see what this says. Yeah, let's read them. How, How did you find, you find Albert Einstein? Einstein. I pushed back his
2: hair
1: and there he was. Here's a word from RCA Victor. Only six shopping days left till Christmas. But that's not bothering America's snappiest families. They need only one day to select the greatest family gift in history. An RCA Victor Complete Home Entertainment Combination. They're pooling their dreams and their money to buy the gift that keeps on giving. And giving and giving. Giving not just to one, but to all. Giving not just a day, but every hour, every day, every year. Giving not just RCA Victor Radio or recorded music, or television, but all three combined in one magnificent cabinet. Why don't you join together and agree this minute to meet each other next Monday at your RCA Victor dealers to choose your matchless RCA Victor radio phonograph television combination. You'll find it costs far less than you'd pay for each instrument separately. You'll find that your RCA Victor combination is the greatest gift each of you ever made to the year-round happiness of all of you. Darlings, prepare for some excitement Appearing with us in a few minutes will be two glamorous movie stars Members of the Actress Company Deborah Carr and Arthur McGuire Deborah Carr can currently be seen with Stuart Granger and Richard Carlson in Metro-Golden-Mare's Technicolor production, King Solomon's Mine. Oh, and yes, don't think I'm forgetting another star on our show, Frankie Lane. It's just that I have a little funny way of my own to introduce them. Hey, joke,
3: Talila, how will you find Deborah Carr? <laughs> Dr. McGuire and Frankie Lane. And I say,
1: I'll just push back my chimes and there they'll be. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Oh. Mm. Oh, darling, I suppose you've noticed something unusual about our big show today. So far, there have been no women. A present company accepted, of course.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but <laughs> we, are, we are just about ready to make up for it. What with Deborah Carr and Darth McGuire on our show? Oh, what am I doing? There's still another man whom I haven't presented, and what a man. You know I'm here, to Lou. I've already been on. Uh,
3: no.
1: Not you, Bob. I'm talking about Frankie Lane. Well, what's so special about him? Let's skip Lane and get to the girls.
3: Hey, Dean, look who's sitting there. Two big movie actresses.
1: Well, don't get excited, Jerry.
3: So are we. We're movie actresses.
2: <laughs>
1: are you through, cool? <laughs> crew? Say, don't crowd, fellas. There's enough here for everybody. Uh, thank you, darling. And one left over for somebody. <laughs> two girls and three
3: boys. It don't come out even. So I'll choose first.
1: No, no, you hold it, Jerry. I'll take Deborah Carr.
3: Now it's one girl and two boys. Eeny, meeny, miney Meyer. I will choose, Dorothy McGuire. <laughs> okay, Dorothy? Dean, I don't think she likes me.
1: Ah, oh, don't be silly, Jerry. Of course she does. I think you're a handsome, intelligent, attractive young man. I think you're real nice.
3: So if you like me, you take me out.
1: (laughs) I'll tell you what, Germ. You and I'll take Deborah. Oh, yummy. I'll take Dorothy McGuire. Okay, fellas, we're all set to take the girls out after the show. Pass the sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Now, just wait a minute. I've been standing here listening to this juvenile Casanovian vizel with ill-concealed contempt... Using this show to divide up two lovely ladies it is as disgusting a display of ill manners and bad taste as I have ever seen. Hello, Miss Bankhead. Ah, Frankie Lane Dark. We're just in time, Frankie. We're just in Okay, fellas, we're all set to take the girls out after the show. Pass the sentence. then. <laughs> <laughs> now just wait a minute. I've been standing here listening to this juvenile Casanovian drivel with ill-concealed contempt. (laughs) Using this show to divide up two lovely ladies, it is disgusting a display of ill manners and bad taste as I have ever seen. Hello, Miss Bankhead. Ah, Frankie Lane, though. We're just in time, Frankie. We're just in time. Three of us couples are going out after the show. Okay, I'll take Dorothy McGuire. Uh, She's spoken for, darling. So, okay, I'll take Deborah Carr. Sorry, someone's taking her. Well? Well, I uh, could call my wife. Maybe she'll want to go. Isn't she sweet? (laughs) (laughs) Well, what about me? Well, if my uh, wife can go, uh, we'll need a babysitter. What? (laughs) Sing your song, Lane. Okay, I'm going to live till I die. Meredith, if you please. If you're troubled by the blues rise up before you reach the end Oh, don't be so unhappy, my friend Be like me
2: I'm
1: gonna live till I die I'm gonna laugh instead of cry I'm going to take the town and turn it upside down. I'm going to live, live, till I die. They're going to say, what a guy. I'm going to play for the sky. Ain't going to miss a thing. I'm going to have my fling. I'm going to live, live, till I die. The blues are low. I'll make them stay low. They'll never trail over my head. I'll be a devil till I'm an angel. Dance, gonna fly. I'll take a chance riding high. Before my number's up, I'm gonna fill my cup. I'm gonna live, 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 till I die. You gotta laugh instead of cry. You gotta play for the sky. You gotta you sing, sing and you have your So. I'm gonna laugh. He's gonna laugh. I'm gonna play. He's gonna play. I'm gonna sing, sing smile, dance, dance and live. Dance, dance, live till I die. I'm gonna laugh instead of cry. I'm gonna take the town and turn it upside down. I'm gonna live, live, live Till I die. They're gonna say, What a guy. I'm gonna play. For the sky, ain't gonna miss a thing. I'm gonna have my fling. I'm gonna live, live, live till I die. The blues are linked so low. I'll make them sing the solo. They'll never trail over my head. I'll be a devil till I'm an angel. But until then. Gonna dance, 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 gonna fly. I'll take a chance riding high. Before my numbers up, I'm gonna fill my cup I'm gonna live, live, live till I die. Before my numbers up, I'm gonna fill my cup. I'm gonna live, 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 live until I die. Here is something you should know if you ever suffer from the sudden pain of headaches, neuritis, or neuralgia. It's a way to ease the pain, often within a few minutes. A way that is incredibly fast and effective. It's anison. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet forms. Thousands of people were first introduced to Anison through their own physicians or dentists. But today, these tablets are in such widespread use that all drug counters have them, and anyone may enjoy their benefits. Next time you suffer from the pains of a headache, neuritis, or neuralgia, by all means, try Anacin. You'll like the convenience of Anacin tablets, and you'll be delighted with Anacin's incredibly fast action. A-N-A-C-I-N. Anacin. Ask for Anacin by name today at your druggist. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the big show, The Actress Company of Hollywood, which is composed of some of the outstanding creative artists in Hollywood who have brought the living American theater to the West Coast. Tonight, The Actress Company has graciously invited me to appear with them in a radio adaptation of Claire Booth Luce's Broadway play, The Women. The scene is in the living room of Mary Haynes on Top Avenue, the time, afternoon, the occasion, finaster. Darcy McGuire appears as Peggy, Deborah Carr as Mary, and I play Sylvia. Ladies and gentlemen, the Actors Company. Excuse me, Sylvia. I think I'd better join the others. I haven't seen Mary's children yet. They're just back from the park. Wait, Peggy. I've got something to tell you. I'll burst if I have to wait. Oh,
3: I knew you had something. I'm not sure you should tell me, Sylvia. Now,
1: don't be stupid, Peggy. Stephen Haynes is 2 climbing Mary. He's playing around. He's got a girl. Go. Oh, I don't believe it. Is it true? Wait till you hear. Now, you know I go to Michael's for my hair. You ought to go, Pet. I despise whatever does yours. Well, that's the most wonderful new manicurist there. Aren't my nails divine look, dear? A jungle red. Go on, Sylvia. What are you trying to say? Well, now, this manicurist is marvelous. Was doing my nails. And I was looking through Vogue. You know, the one with Mary in the Arts Vogue costume. Oh, yes. She wore a white and powdered wig. Ah. And she looked lovely. Uh, yes. Well, now, this manicurist, uh, oh, Mrs. Tala, she said, is that the Mrs. Haynes was so awfully rich? And what difference does it make to her? Oh, I forget what she said next. You know how these creatures are. Babble, 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 babble. Never let it for a moment when suddenly she said, I know Mr. Haynes' girlfriend. Oh, how could you listen to her? Listen to her, my dear. How do you suppose I felt? I couldn't very well shut her up. I mean, I had to find out who the other woman was. Does Mary know about this? No, but she's bound to find out. If a woman's got any instinct, she feels when her husband is off the reservation. (laughs) I know I would, but not Mary. If only there was some way to watch her. Sylvia, you're not going to tell her. Right, Why, certainly not, my dear. But I'd die before I'd be the to hurt her like that. <laughs> Couldn't someone shut that manicure stuff? A good story like that? A lot these girls care whose lives they ruin. Dirty, isn't it? Foul.
2: <laughs> my <Mind laughs> dear,
1: the whole thing's disgustingly unfair to Mary. I feel like, like a disloyal skunk. we just knowing about it. You know, I worship Mary. She's my dearest friend in the world. Help her. Help her. Shut up, Peggy. Here's your son. I'm so sorry to have kept you. I was talking to Stephen. Where are the others? They're in with the children, Mary. Well, uh, darling, how is Stephen, the old dear? And did you give him my love? I did, Sylvia. Stephen's not so well. Oh. What's the trouble? Nervous indigestion. That's why I have a plain cook now. Oh, there's nothing worrying Stephen. Oh, no. He's just been working late. He's not coming home again tonight. Oh, are you sure it's worth, darling? You're not a beautiful blonde. (laughs) Oh, Sylvia. Well, Stephen's a very attractive man. Mm, Isn't he? I can't imagine why he hasn't deserted me for some glamorous creature long ago. Oh, Mary, you do sound smart. Oh, let me be, Peggy. How can you be too sure of what you believe in most? I wouldn't be sure of anyone if we were able to get up and totter across a room. (laughs) I always tell my spouse... If you ever manage to make a fool of me, I'll deserve what I get. You certainly will. Oh, Mary, have you seen my new nail color? How do you like oh, that? Oh, it's attractive, Sylvia. Oh, you can't imagine how it stays on. I get it at Michael's. You want to go, Mary. Uh, Sylvia. Oh, wonderful new manicure! Is good, her name. Marvelous. Let's make an after. Now, look, Mary, they call it John the Red. Looks as if you had been tearing at somebody's throat. Well, oh, that does it, Peggy. I'll never tell you another thing. That'll be just fine. Now, girls, I really do like Sylvia's polish. It's new and smart. Michael's, Olga, Jungle Red. I remember that. Shall we cut the deal, Sylvia, you and I? I feel lucky today. Do you, darling? Well, you know what they say, lucky in (laughs) cards. Michael's, Olga, Jungle Red. Yes, I went to Michael's. And I had my nails done by Olga. And I had my world destroyed, too. I found out what my friends already knew. Stephen had another woman. Crystal Allen. The place they send wives with shattered worlds is called Reno. It wasn't long before we were there. Oh, yes, Peggy and Sylvia had to go, too. Divorce seemed to be catching. Well, Sylvia... What are you doing in Reno, Peggy? <laughs> I couldn't resist the slot machine. I can imagine. Well, relax, darling. You'll get a better break from those one-armed bandits than you got from dear husband John. And I suppose you came here for the rodeo? Uh, don't be true, dear.
2: <laughs>
1: what if he does look a little bench when he's not on his horse? <laughs> he's the best I can find in this town. At least I'm not going to sit around and mope like Mary. Now, don't start anything, Sylvia. This is Mary's last night. She gets a decree tomorrow. I'm praying she'll get a call from New York tonight. You mean Mary would take Stephen back? Well, why not? Why not? You think I wouldn't take John back? That is, if we hadn't feuded so terribly over money. Oh, stop sniveling. You and Mary have no pride. I'd roast on a spit before I'd take Howard Fowler back. (laughs) Kicking me out like that after all, I sacrificed. You did? What did you do? I gave him my youth. but I got paid plenty.
2: <laughs>
1: the skunk. Oh, Sylvia, why do you hate Mary so? I don't hate her. It's just that she was always so smug about her husband and her happiness. Now she's down like all the rest of us. Yes, Sylvia. I'm down now. We're all in the soup together. By the way, here's a letter that came for you. Oh, fancy! Uh, uh, I haven't heard from Stephen, I suppose. No. It's too late for that, I'm afraid. Oh, well, sweetheart, he's hardly worth a broken heart. The less you have to say about me and Stephen, the better I like it. Well, I'm only trying to cheer you up. That's more than you do for me. I'm doing enough just being pleasant to you. Ah, you have got the difference, too. Now, you let Mary alone. We're all in the same fix. Oh, I'm just trying to make her see that life isn't over just because Stephen let her down. I'm glad you've adjusted to the inevitable, Sylvia. What do you mean by that crack, darling? <laughs> she means what we read in the New York papers this morning. Your husband is marrying Miriam Arendt of the Vanities. Why, you little... Bitch. No, Sylvia. Did you know this? Oh, Sylvia, why do you care? You don't love Howard. Oh, Mary, how could you do this to me? I'm terribly sorry, Sylvia. This humiliation. this timed insult. And after all I've done for you... And what have you done for me? I warned you. I'm oh, not exactly grateful for that. No, oh, aren't you? Listen to me, you bald conceit. You're not the object of pity, you suppose. Plenty of the girls are tickled to death, you got was coming to you. You deserve to lose, Stephen. Stupid way you acted. But I always stood up to you like a loyal friend. What thanks do I get? You knew about this woman you stood by gloating. Why, Get t- out of here. Get out. I hate you. I hate you. I hate everybody. I hate everybody. You wait. Someday you'll need a woman friend. Then you'll think of me. <laughs> well. That is that. Oh, Mary, what are we doing here? What is happening to us? We're being written off the books, Peggy. But you haven't given up, Mary, not really. You still think in your heart that Stephen will call. Don't you, Mary? Don't you? No. No, Peggy, it's too late. If he were going to call, he wouldn't have waited until now, the very last minute. We need someone to protect us from all this. A woman's best protection is the right man. And obviously your John isn't the right man, Peggy, and you'll forget all about him in another month. Another month? Oh, no. No, I, I can't stand it here another moment. Oh, I can't, Mary. I can't. Oh, Peggy, what's the matter with you? I'm going to have a baby. Oh, Mary, what shall I do? Do? There is only one thing to do. A New York, operator. Peggy, what's the number? Eldorado 5 Eldorado 5 Oh, I can't tell him now. Oh, Mary, I know I was wrong, but it's no use. You just don't know the things he said to me, and I have my pride. Reno's full of women who all have their pride. Hello? Mr. Day, please. Reno calling. Just hold on a moment. Hello, John? Oh, no, 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 I'm not sick. Oh, John, I'm going to have a baby. Oh, my dear, are you? Oh, dearest, do you? Oh, dearest, oh, my... Of course I forgive you. Oh, yes, Precious. Yes, Lamb. On the very next train. Oh, Johnny, when I get back, things are going to be so different. And, dear, do you mind if I reverse the charges? <laughs> oh, Mary, I've got to pack. Oh, Mary, I can't bear to leave you here alone. Why don't you, why don't you do something about Stephen? And it's different with me, Peggy. Stephen is marrying another woman, but she doesn't love him. I do. That's the way it is. But, Mary, why don't you fight for him? Your marriage isn't really ended until you end it. Fight? Yes. Why not, Peggy? Why not? Fight the way other women fight. You're right, Peggy. It isn't ended, is it? If your heart doesn't say so, it's not ended. <laughs> This powder room looks like ladies' night at Madison Square Garden. Here, Peggy, try my lipstick. I can't bear that save you're using. Thanks, Sylvia. What do you think of the party? Gruesome. I hate this club. You know, uh, Mary is here tonight. Yes, I saw her. First time she's been out in a year. Why, do you suppose? She's here because Stephen is here and his new wife. Well, why should Mary be here because Stephen's here? Don't tell me she's still in that country. Well, why not? Now, look here, Sylvia. You knew that crystal crystal creature, didn't you? I met her. What makes you think Mary thinks she has a chance? I've got a hunch you could tell her that. Hmm, Maybe I could. Oh, what do you mean? That Stephen of hers is a Puritan. Bless his little Plymouth Rock soul. (laughs) My psychoanalyst tells me that men of his generation were brought up to believe that wives who carry keys to other apartments are strictly for burning.
3: What are you talking
1: about? Well, I shouldn't be talking about it at all. But I will tell you this. I visited this Crystal a month ago, and while she was bathing, I rummaged around and came across a key. A little gold key. A key? To what? To an apartment where the new Mrs. Stephen Haynes still sees an old boyfriend, Jim, Winston. Sylvia, you've got to tell Mary. Tell Mary what, girls? Oh, Mary, you're looking ravishing. <laughs> Is
3: this your birth not out since Reno? Yes, darling. I'm a recluse stay home and brood. Mary, you've been sitting out there in that club all night with Jim Winston. I've seen how
1: he is. Intoxicated as usual, I'll bet. Yes, Sylvia. Find out anything, darling? Plenty. I think he's the secret in Crystal's life. Aha, so you have been digging. Well, I hope you know what you're talking about, dearie. Yes, I know what I'm talking about, Sylvia. I know all about Crystal and Jim Winston. And Jim Winston is just waiting for me to cue him so that he can tell Stephen everything about his precious new wife. Good girl. Yes, Jim Winston thinks I'm a very much abused gal. His western chivalry is about to light up like a crepe Suzette. Well, this couldn't be the little Mary who put herself high on the pedestal above all us poor downtrodden, unforsaken females a year ago. Now, Julia, you. <laughs> you have the proof Mary needs. Give her that key. What key? I, don't. I never become embroiled in divorce actions Other people I photograph terribly <laughs> Come on, Sylvia For once in your life, play ball Give Mary that key Mary, do you mean you'll take that flu that's left over? I'll take him, thank you I love him Why, Mary, haven't you any pride? Pride? That's the luxury a woman in love can't afford Well, what do you do if I give you the key? If it's what I think it is I'm going out there right now and let Jim Winston tell Stephen the truth. The whole truth about Mrs. Crystal Haynes. Then I'll move in and get him back. Why, Mary, I believe you will. Well, here, darling, take the key. Incidentally, pet, it's for 807 Gothic Arms. A real bag. The elevator boys make excellent witnesses. Make way for a lady who is about to fight for her man and no holds barred. Why, Mary, what a dirty female trick. I had a year to sharpen my claws, darling. How do you like my nails, Sylvia? Jungle red pet. Good night, ladies. <laughs> Don't go away, darling. I want to have some girl talk with you in just a moment. Right now, a man named Bing Crosby wants to say something. By the way, do you happen to catch Bob Hope's program? Oh, Ken, the Bob Hope show is an absolute must in the Crosby household. Every Tuesday night, we all gulp our dinner down and we dash madly for the radio. We all sit in a semicircle and we we pay strict attention. The first one to laugh has to wash the dishes. (laughs) game out of it. Yeah. Head. Oh, then you heard Bob mention the new Chesterfield poster, the one that shows him holding up the new Chesterfield Christmas carton. Oh, indeed I did. I heard him plug my Santa Claus likeness on the garden, too. Ah, uh, you know, but you make a very convincing proper Santa Claus. Well, I've had the uh, modicum of practice, so recently Anyway, it's a wonderful gift for just about everyone you want to get a gift for. Chesterfield, Chesterfield, always winter, play. That's milder, mild tobacco, never leaves an So open a pack, give them a smell. Can you smoke them. This Christmas give Chesterfield Christmas cartons with Bing as Papa Santa Claus. Hey to Lou, think about. Well, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and I would like to do our version of the women. (laughs) (laughs) We call it the fellers. Let's hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Actors Company. Sydney. (laughs) What is it, Marvin? (laughs) I love your drapes. Thank goodness someone noticed them. I've been wearing them for three weeks and my wife never said a word. Before we were married, she noticed everything I wore. You know how we met. I was a car hop at a drive-in. Oh, I remember when you worked there. You sure could fill a pair of tight slacks. And then some. Thank you, Marvin. I remember when you were thin, too. Say, speaking of blubber, have you seen Piggy lately? Not so loud. He's in the next room fixing his face. Fixing his face? How did he manage to do that? It's so hard to get parts these
2: days. Gee, <laughs> hey, here it he comes now.
1: Get a load of that hair, will you? Hair? I thought it was a helmet. Oh, hello. (laughs)
2: Hello,
3: Piggy. Say, I like your hair. You mean it? You like this color jungle red?
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. It goes so well with your
3: eyes.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's because he cries so much. No woman is worth it, Piggy. There are other fish in the sea.
3: I don't like fish. I like women. (laughs) Look, what
1: are you worried about, Pig? After your wife gets a divorce, you'll find somebody else. There are two million women in New York.
3: Yeah, but they don't want to get married. How do you know? I asked them. Ah,
1: uh, don't cry, Piggy.
3: I want my wife. I miss my poopsie. <laughs> so
1: go out home to your Pupsy. Go ahead.
3: I can't. Why not? She hits me.
1: Besides, I overheard my caddy telling the masseur that poopsie is going out with Fred. That's a lot.
3: Fred is going out with Muriel.
2: <laughs>
3: well, uh, what about Velma? <laughs> Velma broke off with Fred when she saw him with Isabel. <laughs> well
1: <What? laughs> Isabel. Why, Isabel told Martha that Selma isn't speaking to Miriam since Dolores found that gold key to Maxine's medicine cabinet in Tallulah Slack.
3: Would you mind repeating the question?
1: (laughs) I don't carry tail. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm going out and paint the town red. Jungle red, of course. How about it, Marvin? Want to come along with me? Yeah, I'd love to, Sydney. but my little six-year-old niece has come to visit me. Piggy, will you look after Marvin's niece?
3: Me? But your niece is a stranger to me. Marvin, what is your niece? A boy or a girl?
1: <laughs> well, a girl.
3: Does she hit? I don't like to be hit by a stranger. Oh,
1: you'll get along fine with her. Come on, Sydney. let's go. Okay, see you later, Piggy.
3: Now I got to take care of a stranger. Oh, me. Oh, my. Golly, gee. Here I sit, all a alone. Gee, I said I sit all alone and the telephone rang. Ah, oh, it hurts me. <laughs> Hello? Oh, Booksy, am I glad you called? I'm in terrible trouble. you got to take me back. I didn't want to tell you this before, but now you got to take me back. you got to. I'm expecting a little stranger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that was real fun. Well, boys, will be boys. <laughs> and now to the girls. Come on over, Deborah Carr and Dawson McGuire. Aren't they lovely? Two famous, famous movie actresses. We've all seen and admired many, many times. Our very dear friends. <laughs> oh, darlings, I keep forgetting which one of you is Deborah Carr.
2: <laughs>
1: I am. And which one of you is the Bankhead? (Laughter) Darling, there is only one Tallulah banquet. Yes. And isn't her name Betty Davis? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <Isn't he> sweet? <laughs> Darling, ma'am. Darty, 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 how are you, dear? I never think of you without remembering the brilliant Claudia that you were. Uh, aren't you ever coming back to Broadway? Well, I think about it now and then, Tallulah, but my picture work takes all my time. It's not so easy as a theater. Oh, darling, the theater is quite exhausting. Exhausting? Two and a half hours a night from 8.30 to 11. What do you do from 11 till 8.30 the next night? I shake hands with my admirers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Motion picture work is all right, I suppose. I made one here a few years ago. Life bulb. did doubt if you see it. Uh... uh Mm. Well, anyway, when I finish it, I dash right back to my dear old Broadway. Didn't they ever call you back to make a sequel, Son of Life,
2: folks?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I Oh, I've had offers, of course, but you were busy shaking hands. Yes, Deborah darling. Well, it's all right to make a picture now and then, but I can't understand how you can stay away from New York so long. The home of the living theater. You especially, Darcy. the to the theater, you might say. Oh, I love California. We all do. The palm trees, the coconut trees, the banana trees. Well, of course, bongo, if you don't have to want to leave the Congo. But I prefer Broadway anytime. I don't know why. We have radio here, too, you know. Oh, Deborah, I'm not on radio alone. Besides radio, I take an active interest in the theater, I lecture, make records. I'm spread out all over the place. <laughs>
3: yes, dear, but in that dress, it doesn't show at all.
2: <laughs>
1: what? And besides, Tallulah, we don't only make pictures. We have a theater here, which is very much alive, the Actors' Company. Oh, of course you have, and it's too to dabble in the arts, I suppose. I'd be glad to join your little group if it will help you out. Oh, I'm sorry, Tallulah. It's the Actors' Company. That was the unkindest cut of all. <laughs> Deborah, you know my work in the theater. You remember me on the stage in England. Well, I was a small child at the time. Oh, oh. <laughs> this it, it is sweet. I see, the two of you against me. You began it. The two of you picking on me. You started picking on me. No, oh, I'm not a good actress. <laughs> now, who has <laughs> it said which one of you is Deborah Carr? Nathan Hale. What difference does it make? <laughs> was it a joke? Or are your eyes bad? Oh, I spent a lifetime in the theater. If you'll admit your eyes are bad, I'll apologize. You stand there and tell me I can't join your actors' company? Was it a joke or was it your eyes? How the money has fallen. Was it your eyes? Look, how many fingers am I holding up? Twelve. So what?
2: <laughs>
1: the think of the name of Zula Bank, a symbol of the living theater should be destroyed in ground ashes. This is the unkindest cut of all. Oh, Tallulah, I'm sorry. Oh, dear, Tallulah, please don't take it this way. Of course, you're a (laughs) great actress. We were only joking. Oh, apologize, Tallulah. It breaks my heart to see you crying. (laughs) Act of company, indeed. our show for this week. We're we're now from New York again, where we'll bring you next week uh, Sunday, Christmas Eve, and what a load of presents we'll distribute. Jimmy Durante, Bert Law, Robert Merrill, Margaret O'Brien, Edith Piaf, Fran Warren, Ed Wynn, and Meredith of the big show, Oxford Chorus, and we're dedicating our Christmas Eve show to all our men in uniform all over the world. Until then, darlings, (laughs) May
2: the good Lord
1: The big show, the Sunday night feature of NBC's all-star festival. has been brought to you by your local Ford dealer, who's now to playing the new 1951 Ford. The car that's built for the years ahead. By RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television. By Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. And by the makers of Amazon, for fast relief from pain of headaches, uritis, and neuralgia. Martin and Lewis appeared through the courtesy of Hal Wallace, Producer of Dark City.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90 percent lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up, all with your card.